Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Health Mystery Solved. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Family of Jay for leaving us a five-star review. She wrote, my friend told me about this podcast due to my Hashimoto's, and it has been so helpful to me, especially when it's hard to find a doctor who will listen and really help you. I use this podcast as a tool to gain knowledge so I can be well-educated in my own health and also know how to ask the right questions when working with a doctor. I was so happy to see this because my goal is to help people get educated so they can go back and ask their doctor the right questions. So thank you so much for this review. And if you guys find the show helpful and can post a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate it because those reviews actually really help the show move up in the ranks and then more people can benefit from this information. So thank you so much for all of your reviews. And today, I'm excited to speak about another very important topic that could be a culprit for many of you. In episode 66, I discussed why so many gluten tests can show a false negative result and the differences between celiac, gluten sensitivity, and gluten intolerance. We also talked about some tests that would give more concrete and accurate results, like the genetic DQ2-DQA test and the complete antibody test by Vibrant America. However, even with better testing, there are still people who don't have any gluten markers, even on these tests, but for some reason, they still don't feel well when they eat gluten. Why do people still have issues with digestion, low energy, brain fog, joint pain, skin rashes and lesions, etc., even though they don't have any genetics or gluten-related antibodies? Additionally, many people find that their issues from gluten are typically a problem when they're home in the U.S. and not nearly as bad if they travel outside the U.S. to countries like Italy or France. Perhaps this may be you or someone you know. One simple explanation could be that we're less stressed when we're going on vacation. So perhaps that plays a role. But very often people tell me that they're traveling for work and it's not vacation, and yet they are still able to tolerate it. So there's much more to this. In episode 66, we talked about the slight genetic modification of wheat and that that can play a role. However, this would not necessarily answer the question about why it's worse in the U.S. versus other countries, because this new wheat is pretty much everywhere now. I think the bigger issue here is glyphosate. And glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup, which is an herbicide that's used in many crops, including wheat. There was a wonderful article in The Healthy Economist that was titled, The Reason Wheat is Toxic. The article points out that, believe it or not, it is actually a common wheat harvest protocol in the United States to drench the wheat fields with Roundup several days before the combine harvester work through the fields as the practice allows for an earlier, easier, and bigger harvest. It quotes that, Pre-harvest application of the herbicide Roundup or other herbicides containing the harmful ingredient glyphosate to wheat and barley as a desiccant was suggested as early as the 1980. 
It has since become routine over the past 15 or more years, and it's used as a drying agent seven to 10 days before harvest within the conventional farming community. According to Dr. Stephanie Seneff of MIT, who studied this issue in depth, desiccating non-organic wheat crops with glyphosate just before harvest came into effect in the late 90s with the result that most of the non-organic wheat in the United States is now contaminated with it. Seneff explains that when you expose wheat to a toxic chemical like glyphosate, it actually releases more seeds, resulting in slightly greater yields. It goes to the seed. As it dies, it releases the seed, says Dr. Seneff. The article goes to explain that while the herbicide industry tells us glyphosate is supposedly non-toxic, there are multiple studies showing its effects on the cytochrome P450 system, which is the primary pathway for liver detoxification. Just because it doesn't kill us instantly certainly does not mean it's non-toxic and that it doesn't have serious or long-term effects. This goes for most toxins. It's a gradual thing and it affects our overall bucket, so to speak. Roundup disrupts the balance of healthy bacteria in the gut, which then leads to intestinal permeability, which I talk a lot about on the show, and then that's the breeding ground for autoimmunity. In fact, since Roundup has been introduced in the practice in the 90s, the amounts used have skyrocketed. Increasingly, celiac disease has as well. There was actually a very interesting study. It was a little bit older. It's from December 2013 now, but it connects glyphosate and Roundup to many of the things that are taught to be celiac symptoms. Specifically, the abstract of the study reads, celiac disease is associated with imbalances in gut bacteria that can be fully explained by the known effects of glyphosate on gut bacteria. Characteristics of celiac disease point to impairment in many of the cytochrome P450 enzymes. Those are those liver detoxification enzymes. And then activating vitamin D3, metabolizing vitamin A, and maintaining bile acid production. And that's really important for digestion. Glyphosate is known to inhibit the cytochrome P450 enzymes. Deficiencies in iron, cobalt, molybdenum, copper, and other rare metals associated with celiac disease can be attributed to glyphosate's strong ability to chelate, which just means essentially bind to these elements. And then deficiencies in tryptophan, tyrosine, methionine, and selenomethionine are associated with celiac disease, and those match glyphosate's known depletions of these amino acids and these minerals. Because glyphosate can often affect your microbiome, and as you know from listening to the show, your microbiome is really one of the biggest keys to your health, you know, we have trillions of bacteria in our body, and it's not just in the gut, but it's in our mouth, on our skin, and all of the different mucous membranes. These bugs need to be there and need to be as diversified as possible. Studies show that these bugs have the ability to regulate so many functions like inflammation, digestion, metabolism, neurotransmitter, infections, and so, so much more. So when we do stuff that prohibits the microbiome from growing properly or inhibits it or kills it off, that's definitely going to be a big problem. The other thing to remember is that the exposure happens a little at a time over years, which slowly damages the cells, contributing to high levels of inflammation. And then inflammation, of course, is linked to all types of diseases. This can lead to the perfect storm where things are just enough out of balance 
that the body is not able to self-correct and that leads to disease. So this is kind of like the bucket analogy that I use where eventually our bucket fills up. So as we live our life, we may be exposed to toxins. We may have stress. We may not eat as well. Maybe um, there's certain products that we're using that aren't as good. Maybe we have certain sensitivity. Maybe we have certain infections, right? These are all common. We all have different sized buckets and eventually the bucket fills up. And when that bucket fills up, sometimes you put one last thing in there and that last thing could be something so little and seems so insignificant. But once the bucket is already full, that last thing then is the straw that breaks the camel's back and the bucket starts to overflow. And so when we accumulate these toxins, such as the toxins from glyphosate, of course, there's so many other ones out there, but specifically since we're talking about this on the show, that builds up over time. And on top of everything else that we're exposed to and everything else that happens in our life, it does make a really big difference and creates that perfect storm. Glyphosate is still heavily used in the US, but it is actually banned in a lot of other countries. And that is often the reason why people feel better when they eat there versus here. So if you don't have a wheat or gluten sensitivity and all of your gluten tests are negative, but you find that you don't feel well when you're eating wheat, and if you feel better when you eat wheat in other countries, this can be your issue. And if this is the case for you, one simple thing you can do is eat wheat that's organic and therefore would not contain glyphosate And if you're going out to a restaurant, you would then want to avoid wheat and gluten products because when you eat out, those products are likely not organic. Know anyone this information can help? Please share this episode with them. And be sure you subscribe to the show. This way you never miss an episode. As always, when it comes to your health issues, please don't give up. There are so many different things you can do and so many angles that you can really address. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.